12. So we're doing like back in the day releases. Dave wants to do this thing where we take it all the way back to the year 2000, Y2K. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. years to the day all these movies came out but i challenged dave and said well let's not pick our favorite movies from 2000 or movies we've already talked about so if we've ever had a conversation about like uh i don't know almost famous or castaway or what's your other favorite dave well uh high fidelity was one of them oh yeah we can't talk about jack black or um What's his name from the 80s? John Cusack. Yeah, we can't talk about the Cusack in High Fidelity. Because we've mentioned it on the pod before, so we're really challenging ourselves not to be absolute binge-watchers. Even though it's the Binge Watchers podcast, we wanted to go for, alright, what's back in the day? What's more rare? And what also came out in the year 2000? There's a lot of releases. I mean, there's a ton of popular movies that come out in the year 2000. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, a hundred popular movies come out that year. Uh, it's It's insane. So you can look it up. You can IMDb movie releases from from 2000. But I did notice January 2000 was a real shitty month for releases. Oh, was but, it? Yeah. But collectively, it's a great year for movies. Like, Dave and I talk about this. Like, It's like every other odd year is good or every other second even year is good. It's like it's like hit or miss for releases with movies. Right. Like you have a banner year, then you don't have a banner year. Then you have a, a few years where it just kind of lags. And, uh, I mean, it looks like next year is going to have a lot of good... Good stuff coming out. Today, this year wasn't that terrible. I mean, there's at least... No, it's not that bad. It's just, like I said, there's a lot of... You know, there's a lot of forgotten stuff in here. Uh, I might change my second pick later on, but um, there's a lot of uh, forgotten movies that I really liked at the time. Yeah. Um, Um, But tonight, we'll be talking about Boiler Room, which is a money movie. And there's only a handful of money movies, actually. Like, um, There's one with... uh, Jeez... Um, Jeremy Irons and, uh, um, oh, oh, Margin Call? Kevin Sp- yeah, there's Margin Call. There's Margin Call, there's this, Wall Street, of course, is like yeah, the benchmark. Yeah, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street is probably the pinnacle now, the new golden standard. Yeah. And besides that, there's, well, the big short, there's only a few movies that are like about financial issues or whatever. Um, yeah, and Wall Street was the classic, right? Richard, yeah. Uh, you know, Richard, what is his name? Gordon Gecko, right? Yeah. Yeah, So Michael, played by Michael Douglas. Yeah. And Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, kind of, because it's like a, a a movie about another boiler room. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> like, but those guys are, like, down on their luck. Like, that's the low, 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 low. Oh, well, uh, but, like, all the guys in Boiler Room are literally referencing these two, these these other movies that are... Right. And so the movie's very um, reflexive. And the filmmaker definitely, like, he likes these financial movies. Perhaps he had a job. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he interned on Wall Street. I, I really don't know. What's funny, too, is also the 1990s, like, hip-hop soundtrack that's in this movie. Yes. Like it has all the it has all the stuff. It even it, it even literally references Notorious B.I.G. and New World Order. Like he like the like the guy the main characters are like talking about this music and he, and then you hear it. 
they're talking about these movies and you see it like at one point um i guess there's like a tradition among these guys they have a party at one of the senior uh stockbrokers houses like every so often there it's like beer and pizza but then they they watch uh wall street and like literally like what's his name is doing the monologue is uh well i think it was like ben affleck and then it switches to vin diesel they both take part in it yeah yeah like Uh. half the room is quoting the movie it's funny that Jamie Kennedy's in here as one of the stockbrokers. I I didn't remember him in the movie at all. I didn't either. I didn't and they have him doing him a bit. And like, yeah, and then they go to Vegas at one point, or they go not not Vegas because they're like, where do they go? Atlantic City, probably Something Atlantic like that, City. Yeah. They, they get on a bus and they're like all partying because they hit like their sales quota or they got to like a new level with an IPO that they're trying to sell off. And it's a pump and dump stock. It's like everything. Look, there's a lot of firms on Wall Street. They play this game. They they basically like ride the line of it being illegal illegal trades this happens like all the time like yeah. they try to engineer a stock and then sell it off to make quick money and they usually the shareholders are usually the ones that, that eat shit on the deals and like all yeah. these movies talk about insider trading and how this stuff is really set up and usually the government gets angry because they don't get a piece or whatever and they try to go after easy targets and the main character makes a couple of mistakes and in this movie he gets pegged as an easy target or whatever you know and um and he has a lot to lose. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi, this is kind of him as like a wet behind the ears character. Yeah. It's really funny because most of the other characters are down and dirty. Like he even's on a new, he's even, even has a new show about a really like nefarious character, Sneaky Pete, which is on Amazon. Right. But it's kind I've of like, oh, this it. is where he, this is where he cut his teeth, so to speak. Like in this movie, he's like kind of wide eye innocence, which yeah. doesn't, okay, it doesn't really, you have to kind of like suspend your disbelief a little bit because. He seems so innocent throughout the movie, but then he was running an illegal underground casino, right? But he always responds to everything that they're being told. And I guess that they wanted to set that up like, uh, I guess the filmmakers like assuming that the audience needs a way into this special world of insider trading or whatever and stockbroking. So right. he's asking all these questions that would be like almost rhetorical in the real stock trading world, but he's the audience's way into this special world, right? Yeah. So they have they have him asking all these things that you're just like, okay, like how green is this guy? You know. Right. But the thing is, is like he's still, even though he ran an illegal gambling uh, casino, he was still innocent because, like, he makes a point. At least with the casino, it was more honest. At least I provided the service that people wanted versus Hmm. selling shit people don't need uh, through his penny stocks or whatever they call them. Um, Oh yeah, he points out a kind of an interesting um, like paradox or whatever. It's like yeah. People go to the casino, they're gambling their money freely, they know they're losing their money, but the the other way, the other way is like, they're gambling their, mo- they're gambling their money, but it's they're like not part of the process of the gambling, right? Right. So he feels like that's the disadvantage, is he, they're robbing people of their money, but the people don't understand that they're actually gambling away their livelihoods. If they knew that, maybe up front, then they maybe play the game differently, I don't know. Um, I don't own any stock, I don't trade any stock. I work for a company that gives you, like, I've had stock, like, put into, like, my 401ks or whatever, like, you know, a compensation package, but I never, like, sought out, like, to trade anything or to, or to invest in anything. Right. Like, and and if you watch these movies, you wouldn't want to. You'd be so terrified. You would never want to put your money into anything. You know, you'd be like that guy, Harry, or whatever, whose wife and kids leave him later on in the movie, like, 40 minutes in or whatever, you know, or an hour, hour and 10 in or whatever. Oh yeah, because he had to put a he had to put a face to the you know people they're fucking over in this movie. I guess, and that's the thing about money crimes is you don't really equate the human equation to it because it's just dollars on a computer screen. 
Right. I, I think that's how health insurance companies operate too. Like they don't have to deal really with the people because all they see is numbers on a screen. You know, you, you know exactly you know I mean? your statistics. But, yeah, there's a disconnection, and and that's and that's modern life. Humans are very like we used to be tribal, and now we're like um, we're like disjointed or disingenuous, or like we're somehow even more separated beyond like even just the global tribe. I don't even know how to describe it. You know, it's like. Um, I don't know. It's it's like probably the new soldiers they're training that just like kill people through video games. You know, you know what I mean? Like drone operators. Like, oh, I, something just blew up on a screen. I didn't really. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't really in the village. <laughs> you know. Um, weird times. I mean, they're talking World War Three, Iran, whatever, and here we are watching oh, Boiler Room. God. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the uh, why, do we have to? Should we mention the Globes? I mean, when this gets out, the Globes will head like. There have been the Golden Globes would have come out like you know when the, when this episode drops, people, you'll have had like two days to read about the Golden Globes on the internet. You know, Armand Joaquin took it for the Joker. Brad Pitt got something. I think Tarantino <laughs> got something for writing. Uh, I might be spoiling this for Dave. I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't been watching Globes. it. I don't watch the Globes. The Globes are kind of a joke to me the, now. They're the trash awards, right? Well, yeah. they they only they only vote or uh, they only nominate on star power alone, like. Okay, oh, really? Joaquin made a big movie. Okay, the Joker is big. All right, so that'll bring stars. But, like, they nominate shit all the time that has no business being nominated. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like, the big one was years ago. They nominated um, that movie, The Tourist, with uh, Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie. And it was, like, universally believed to be a bad movie. But they nominated it because that bring Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie to the show. That's wow. that kind of shit. Like sometimes well, there, they there vote. you have it, folks. Uh, <laughs> binge watchers aren't really going to put any stock into Golden Globes. I've actually, um, I don't think I've ever watched them televised. I watch the Academy Awards every year. That was my thing. I mean, yeah. like when I was ten, I, all I wanted to do was win an Oscar. I wanted to make a movie and go to the Oscars. Like that was, you know. But that's a dream, a dream that now lives in my desk drawer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like guys, I don't even know. I, I'm probably about as far as away from fulfilling your dreams as one could be. Like, I'm actually the Kevin Smith shitter get off the pot age now. Like, I think we've arrived at the age, at the, the, the clerk's age. Like, either you go and make something, or, like, you're, like, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I really don't know what to say. Like, uh, I don't want to be a cautionary tale, like the characters in this movie, but, um, the main character sets himself up to fail, but he's got this whole thing with his daddy. You know, oh, there's a lot to do with daddy, daddy issues. issues in this. Yeah, yeah like the, the there's a what like there's always one story, and then there's always these other like, themes or motifs. Like um, Giovanni really taps into some some deep pain, man, and he, he breaks down in the courtroom. Like, well, not the courtroom, but like his dad's office at the courtroom. Yeah, well, because he he has yeah he has a breakdown in front of his dad because he just like he just needs some parental like just show me something, show me that you care. And just some have emotion, a yeah, because it's all business, right? The dad's like your stuff's affecting my career and like, you got to change your ways or it's going to take down my career. And I've invested my whole life into being a judge, blah, blah, blah. So right. I raised you, blah, blah, blah. And then he equates like a childhood memory of his dad coming to his aid or rescue when he broke his leg. Yeah. But then I guess his dad made some kind of offhanded comment that made, he made him think he didn't like him his whole life or whatever. And, and then, uh, the dad shared a different perspective, a different <coughs> perspective of like, of like dadding moments like what it's like to be a dad in the moment when you're trying to have one 
desired outcome for your children, and that's not what's happening, and it's out of your control. Is kind of I think what the dad the dad is trying to express at that moment. Judge yeah. Daddy. Um, that's kind of what I got. He just you know he had to be the dad and take care of him. You know, slap him out of his hysteria, if you will. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he convinces his dad to help him, but then it puts his dad in jeopardy of going to jail. The FBI is like investigating this firm called J.T. Marlin. Again, it's a pump and dump stock trade. I mean, I feel like the filmmaker of this movie probably borrowed bits and pieces of, like, what was on Wall Street at the time, and probably some of the Wolf of Wall Street stuff is mixed in with this. I mean, because that's the most notorious, right? It, it definitely like the is, scam yeah. thing. There's a couple stories that came out of Wall Street uh, trading that was, like, illegal and, like, hit the the newspapers, and it's kind of mixed in to this story. But Dave was saying it gave him um, the desire to go back and watch The Wolf of Wall Street. Is that what you said? Like, after after this one, you went and watched the other one? Yeah, and they're very um, – I was reading up on some of the notes on Boiler Room. Um, but, yeah, Boiler Room is definitely loosely based off of Jordan Belfort. Um, like there's a lot of similarities when you watch the two back-to-back. I mean not not that much. They're totally separate movies, but um, you could see the the, cro- you know, the, the cross streams, if you will. Um, huh. You know, like uh, Boiler Room feels like uh, – well, it, it doesn't feel like it is from the perspective of one of the underlings that would have been in Jordan Belfort's group. Right. Uh, so it's kind of like from the bottom – from the bottom. Oh, so this zone, so Boiler Room is kind of like from the outside in. Rather yeah. than the Wolf of Wall Street is like from the wolf's mouth itself. There's a guy named Michael in Boiler Room, who I guess would be the wolf of this story. But he's only featured in a couple of scenes. But you know what? He was in a, a wolf-related movie, too, because he's the kid that was in American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah, yeah, Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, and he plays like the main guy at this firm, J.T. Marlin. Yeah, he's the Jordan Belfort, up, yeah. Yeah, he, he sets up like these companies that aren't real companies and then invests in them and then tanks them and gets the money out, out of like that whole process. Yeah. Yeah. He brings fake companies public, then takes the money off the public trades and then like moves on to the next thing with him and his buddies that are like, have all the cash or whatever. Right. Um, and Giovanni's just like a, like a guy caught in the middle. But like you said, he's like a new guy, a probie who's like watching this all from the outside and then sees a little bit of the dirt and then like, is trying to piece it all together. Whereas, the Wolf of Wall Street takes you, like, right in from the inside of how somebody builds an operation like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I really, I don't know how you feel. I don't know the last time you watched it. I probably haven't seen it for, like, 15 years or so. But, like, it, it holds up really well, um, I thought. Um, I showed it to my wife who would never seen it, and she really dug it. Um, like, the performances are great. Giovanni kind of stills a show, but, like, there's people in here that just aren't really – you don't see anymore, like Nikki Cat, Nia Long, um, you know, just like a bunch of like good actors in this that you don't really see around anymore. It's like kind of felt like, ah, kind of, I kind of want to see Nikki Cat movies again. Huh. Well, that's funny. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I looked at Scott uh, Kane or whatever. No, Scott Kahn, Scott yeah. Kahn um, playing just our, like, douchebag. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. you know? Him and the boys, like him and the boys running around, and then like, um, and Vin Diesel was playing an interesting character. Um, yeah, but then he after this he's gonna go off and do like Fast and the Furious and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I think Fast and the Furious was the very next year. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I just it, it really really held up for me. Um, God, there was something else I want to say about this movie, and it's escaping me. Um, 
Maybe the editing? You like the editing? I mean, the editing was fine, yeah. Um, oh, I know. Like, uh, I just like some of the messages in it. Like, you know, um, there's that scene where they're hanging out because uh, they're, like, what based out of Long Island. Like, they're known as, like, kind of the, you know, if you will, they're the kind of bottom feeders. Uh, this group yeah. of people, you know, yeah, but, uh, they're... they actually go to a wall street bar on wall street or nearby and they don't and want them there. <laughs> there's like a pissing contest yeah. between them and like the real wall street guys. And at the end of the day, you realize it doesn't matter whether you work in long Island or on wall street, they're all fucking douchebags. Yeah, they are. Cause it, what's funny is this movie taps into like a certain group of people at a certain time. Like there were a bunch of like money, white douchebags, right? Yeah. Listening to hip hop music and like appropriating it like it was their own and trying to make money on Wall Street, like, like this was a thing, like money yeah. on hand and listening to rap music while wearing your tie and your penny loafers, that was the thing. It was a real thing that happened. You know what I mean? Right. So it taps into this this interesting part of space and time. Right. You'd have to see it in a movie like Boiler, Boiler Room because it's not around anymore. Right. Well, they were also the other thing I found interesting is like even though they had all this money, they were still just fucking kids that didn't know shit. Like there's that scene we we're talking oh, about dude. where they uh, go to Ben Affleck's house to watch Wall Street. Well, there's boxes around. There's like a couch, a love seat, but all these guys around. And he's like, oh, well, when did he move in? And he's like, oh, what are you talking about? He's lived here for eight months. So like they have millions of dollars, but they can't even have the foresight to furnish their house or like put away shit. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Like, I got the impression that they didn't really have as much money as they claimed they had, you know? Like, it's all a show, you know what I mean? It's all, like, this thing, like... Well, there uh, there was that aspect, too. I mean, they called it, um, I don't want to repeat the word that they used in the movie, but, like, one of the characters calls it N-word rich. You know, uh, saying, like, you've got the money, so you bought the you buy the Ferrari, you buy the big house, but then you can't afford to pay for the insurance or put gas in your car because you spent it all on the... The big shit without thinking, can he avoid it? Yeah, that's the thing, too, is the the movie also takes place in a time where, the, like, it was like casual N-word time. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It happens. I didn't remember that from the movie. I kind of, Maybe I blacked it out. I wasn't even going to talk about it, but you brought it up. So, so Well, I mean, I just uh, meant to, to the point of, like, how they have this money, but then... Yeah, but like even I said, at the end of the day, to, they're making... They're literally trying to live the rap music, like I said. Like, they're literally trying to live it. Right. Uh, well, like and, and the funny thing is, is like they're living, they're making so much more money than the average person. And yet at the end of the day, they're still living paycheck to paycheck because they have to oh. present themselves a certain way. Yeah, it's funny how the paycheck to paycheck thing doesn't change. Even if you get like a raise or something gets incentivized or bonuses or whatever, it's like you just overextend yourself on another level. Well, it's I mean, like, um, you know, this movie's got a lot of hip hop in it. I mean, to quote another hip hop song, more money, more problems, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Like, I had a, I actually, like, for instance, I'll talk about health insurance. So, I've never made a lot of money. It wasn't making a lot of money. And I still don't mm -hmm. make money, really. But I'm no longer able to get, like, a HMO, which was, like, a, like a state-sponsored plan. Because mm -hmm. I now make too much money for the state plan, but not enough money to actually go to the doctor and pay the copay. So, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I gotta, like, roll the dice on which health problems are actually serious and which right. ones aren't. Like, I remember... They had the insurance people come to our office. Uh, maybe I said this on the podcast already, or I don't, I don't know. But they came to pitch the new plan for the company, and like they were like talking about how how much it's going to cost you to go to the emergency room. And I was thinking in my head, wait a minute. So you're going to punish me for having an accident, which can't be predicted. Right. So it's not like I stepped outside, and I saw the ice, and I still f fell on the ice. It's like, walk outside, and something falls on your head, and you have to go. 
Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you kind of made a bad decision by how many hours did you spend there? All right, here's your $350 bill. You know, hopefully you can pay your car insurance next month. <laughs> you know, you know God, I mean? 350 I think it's like 500 or something if I have to go to the ER. That, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, wait a minute, you're punishing me for having an accident. Like, so an act of God could send me to the emergency room. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm going to well, reap the bill. But anyway, right, that's or, a little personal, so I'll move on. I'll get back into, like, the world of, like, these guys have no health insurance, clearly. But when Ben Affleck does his speech, he's... Also, it's not as good as I remember, and watching it again, he, like, dialed it in. I don't think he was, like, really into it. And, like, he, was, he literally says, the smile on my face, and he's not smiling. You know what I mean? And he was trying to smile. He was trying to fulfill something, but he didn't do it. He, he's the trainer at this company. He's, like, the guy that tries to get people juiced in the idea that they can be millionaires, Right. He's selling mm. them on the dream of being the stockbrokers. And he's in a couple other scenes after that. And like you said, he's at the scene at his house. Um, what was my point? I was going somewhere. Um, damn it. Where was I going? <laughs> <laughs> I You're talking about uh, how he's not really into it or... Ben yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not really into it. And like... Uh, yeah, watching him again in this, I didn't like it. But people always talk about his speech from this movie. Like they were trying to redo the... Glenn Gary all of the closing speech, but in in Boiler Room. Oh, the point. Oh, the point was, I've encountered trainers like that in real life. Like I've been on call floors. I've been in like high volume sales floors, and I've been like associated with salespeople in like the working world, right? Like I've had like a handful of jobs like that, just office jobs, right? Right. And like, and oh, and I did sales for Directv for a little while, and like it's the same. It was the same thing. Like they sell the dream of you. And then you go and sell the dream to other people on the phone. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like that. Like, oh, you can do this. And you got to get a suit and blah, blah, blah. That's something that kills me too. It's like, so wait, you're, you got to get a suit to get on the phone and talk to somebody who can't right. see what you look like. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, well, <laughs> I, I think like it's that. also just part of that douchebag mentality or, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, like Ben Affleck, uh, I don't know. That stuff still kind of worked for me. Um, I also just kind of bought into it. He's probably said the speech over and over. He just has to play enough along to get the guys worked up. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I could see the I could see the flaws in the performance, but um, I don't know. It worked on me. Um, you know, the other thing too is they're also trying to. Uh, you know, he says act as if like that's a big thing. Well, he's trying to. He he really you know all those characters want to be the Alec Baldwin character in Glengarry Glen Ross they want to well, be do you, Gordon. Do you think Gecko. life is really like that? Do you think you have to like out monkey the next monkey in the cage to try to reach the banana? Like do you think humans really have to be that competitive against each other, or Americans have to compete against other Americans like that much? Like is that is that my mistake? Like not being such a son of a bitch to like make sure that I get the banana? Do you know what I mean? I was thinking Sadly, about this, like, yeah. <laughs> like these money crimes, they're money crimes, right? So you think about this, like there are probably worse crimes, right? So right. like, yeah, I mean, so you think about that, like, so because you're not willing to do the asshole, this other asshole is going to take some of your money or have more money or a better car or a better life and it's right. all competition. So is that, is that what it is? Like it's Planet of the Apes and because I wasn't able to outsmart the gorilla I'm just a chimp that's never going to get fed, right? Is that, is, that, is that what it is? Like, like do you there are days that? I think that's think exactly it? the case. Like, if we don't compete enough, then it's fucking over with. It's like, right. Rob Williams was in a movie where he played a caveman, but he played people, like, in four different time periods. He was, like, a Roman slave. 
And um, we may have talked about this movie before, but do you know what I'm talking about? It's called, like, Stories or something. I don't like he, No, he, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh, shit. Okay, well, he, he like, Robin Williams plays guys in, like, four different time periods. He plays a Roman slave that's supposed to be granted his freedom, but his owner wants to... And John Torturo is his owner wants to have, like, a suicide pact with him instead of giving him his freedom papers or whatever. And then um, he plays a caveman, and, like, a more efficient caveman comes by. And so his wife and kids abandon him and go with the other cave people because they're better at the hunting or the gathering or whatever. Right? It's not Bicentennial Man, is it? No, because he's a robot in that movie. I see. I've never seen Bicentennial Man, so I didn't know if like what? it was a thing. It started wait, wait, off like I, that. We, and he we, had a robot. Have, we had to have talked about Bicentennial Man on here before. I don't How, think so. Well, I've never even seen Bicentennial Man. Oh man, I, there was a binge watchers where we talked about Bicentennial Man. I definitely remember. That might have been a you and Nick one. Maybe Nicky T. Yeah, maybe because like Bicentennial Man. Yeah, Robin Williams is a android that gets activated. He's like a domestic domestic robot servant at a house that a rich family buys for their daughter. Or like somebody who works for the robot company is an executive. Um, played by a guy that played TV's Merlin, and he played the guy on Jurassic Park, the first one. What's his name? He's a Sam Neill? Sam Neill, yes. Thank you. Mouth of Badness, Sam Neill. Um, plays an executive at the robotics company. It's the same world as, as um, Isaac Asimov wrote a series of novels like that one got ab- adapted into uh, iRobot. And and it's the same world, though. There's, like, the four laws of robotics or whatever, blah, 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 you can't harm a human, blah, 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 Z. Right. Ron Williams is, like, a house robot that gets activated, and then, like, over the course of, like, 200 years or whatever of his existence, he, like, learns to become more human and then, like, tries to win his, like, humanity. Like, he tries to get deemed human. Like, that he learned how to be human, so therefore he should be accepted as a human or whatever, right? Huh. Um, that's the plot of that one. It's worth watching. It's kind of cool. I mean, but it's early CGI, so maybe not, but they still had some anim- animatronic effects. Right. Like, um, some stuff doesn't hold up. It's kind of like, I watched uh, Two Towers, you know, Lord of the Rings, yesterday, yeah. on 4K Ultra HD, and every time the human actor turns into CGI... It's glaringly obvious. Like Battle of Helm's Deep, which is like the one of the biggest battles on film or whatever. Right. And, but then it's like, okay, well, now I'm in a wide shot and clearly a thousand orcs are CGI and a thousand little people on the walls, defending the walls, are CGI. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Or uh, the king, um, what's his name? Aragorn, played by Viggo Mortensen, whose latest movie was about the South and taking a musician through the South, Green Book, whatever. That's last year's big winner, right? Um, Viggo Mortensen plays a dude in there. He go, he's fighting an orc on this little. Wor- There's like a, a wolf-like creature that they ride around on, and um, he goes over a cliff. But right before he gets to the cliff, it's almost like watching like a jump cut in video, where like something's out of frame and it moves, and then you go, "Oh, that's startling!" Like it was the actor turning into CGI, but it was blatantly mm. obvious. You know what I mean? And then his character goes over the the cliff, um, and you're like, "Okay." Um, what's another movie that has really bad CGI like that? Let me think. Um, I'm trying, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of them. I'm just trying to... Yeah, we're talking like early 2000s, mid-2000s, where CGI was like still clunky, right? Like they were right. still trying to figure it out, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's uh, a ton of them that are like really bad ones. Like I remember, what was it, the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came oh, out? It might have yeah. even been in 2000. It was in 2000, man. It was no, in I, That's a bad example. That's an example of, like, really bad CGI. 
Um, yep. Yeah, I yes, don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to be talking to you, um, you know, this month about back in the day movies from year 2000. We have a couple picks. I got some picks. Dave's got some picks. That's what we're going to do. Uh, binge watches this year for you every day. You can you you can binge watch. Well, I guess you can't binge watch us because it's you listen to us, but you could in theory like play back some of our stuff. We we'd appreciate it. But we're gonna be here for these banging new episodes back in the day from Dangerous and Johnny Spoiler. I managed to not spoil anything. I don't think I spoiled anything. You you might know a character from Lord of the Rings goes over a cliff, but that's it. I don't think I really ruined any movie on this one. Nah. <laughs> 